You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. In John chapter 2, we see Jesus at a party in Cana when the wine runs out. and All they had was water. So they brought their water to Jesus and he turned it to wine. If you're going through deconstruction and doubt, if you're searching and seeking for deeper answers and better answers, if you're hurt and looking for healing, if you maybe feel displaced and need a home or divided and need to return back home, I want to encourage you today to bring your water to Jesus and have him turn that into wine. Brian Zand wrote this, if you sense that God is good, God is beauty, God is love, and most of all that God is like Jesus, stick with these instincts and your theology will not go far from the truth. You know, in faith, sometimes as humans, it can be really easy to, uh, to, to become very centered on something other than Jesus, very easy to become politics-centered in our faith or tradition-centered uh, or building-centered, money-centered, or even scripture-centered. And all these things are good things in the right context, but, but sometimes uh, it, it can become really um, unhealthy if these become the center and Jesus just becomes kind of the wall dressing. You know, you can enter uh, religious communities and, and, and have a lot of tradition with Jesus, but you don't see him at the forefront. He's, he's, he's in there, but he's kind of hard to find. And I want to encourage you to have a Jesus-centered faith because when we start to drift off that, it's almost like you start slipping off this greased marble. Um, things can get unhealthy or distorted, or we just kind of lose our true center as uh, Christians. And I, so I want to encourage you to put the Christ back in Christian in, in our faith as much as possible. Let me give you an example uh, of, of what can happen when we don't. Uh, sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. This is from To Kill a Mockingbird. The Bible, like anything, can become an addictive idol used to hurt and harm life rather than give life. Uh, in fact, Jesus actually made a point similar to this in John chapter 5. He said, you search the scriptures. He's talking to you, the religious Pharisees. Um, so as he's speaking to the Pharisees, he says this, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Um, he was saying that the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the, of the day were were so focused on scripture that they couldn't see when the God of scripture stepped into their world. They couldn't see Jesus at work. It was like they were blinded by their own scriptures. And um, the scriptures were often used to kind of like a like a sword or a weapon to divide who's in, who's out, to, to kind of create a, a, a first class and second class citizenship within their faith communities. And, and sometimes the scriptures were even used in ways that were like harmful. Um, the scriptures are precious. They're a gift from God. But the scriptures didn't die on a cross for us. And the scriptures aren't what we worship or follow. As Jesus followers, we follow and worship Jesus. Um, and the scriptures are understood at their best through Jesus, his teaching, his interpretation, his living, his life. 
um, the scriptures point us toward Jesus, and then Jesus helps us rightly understand the scriptures and life in the kingdom, like the life that the Bible's trying to portray for humans to live into before God. Now, Jesus also said this, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you want to know what God the Father is like, you look to Jesus. You want to know what God's love is like, his truth is like, um, what, what life was designed to be like by God. You look to Jesus. So what is the process of trusting Jesus, learning to be Jesus-centered? What does that look like? We have one key image for this journey that I love in Mark chapter 8. Starting verse 22, it says this, When they, this is the disciples and Jesus, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, that's really weird, right? Spitting on the man's eyes? Well, it goes on to say, he, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. He said, yeah, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, now don't go into the village or you know, on your way home. Like, don't, don't tell the, everybody about this. And in this moment, you, you see this um, kind of three-step process going from blind, blurry, to bright sight. That's what this man experiences. It takes this process before he has full sight with Jesus. I think this is a really powerful story, but it becomes even more powerful when we see how Mark, the author of this, this uh, story of Jesus, has, has connected it or sewn this story together with one other little story with Jesus and the disciples. Let's keep reading um, to see if we can kind of capture this uh, moment. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about it. You know, N.T. Wright has noted that it seems that Mark has put together the story of the blind man receiving sight and the, and the blind disciples receiving insight. Some of the similarities between these two stories are, is the movement of um, blindness to blurry to bright sight. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. And the disciples are asked not to share with anyone else, just like the blind man. Jesus just kind of wants to keep it, uh, keep it on the down low. It, it seems like he doesn't want to trigger you know, violent fear um, and a response of violent fear from those in power. But it also could, could be that Jesus does, just wants his disciples to listen more keenly and wonder more deeply into the mystery that's slow, slowly being revealed about who he really is. The, the crowd that was following Jesus was seeing who Jesus was a little blurry. If you think about the story, Jesus says, who, who do people say that I am? Well, they said, many of them were saying that he's a prophet. 
Um, it's not that's that Jesus is a prophet, but there's more to it. So they're they're seeing a little bit, but it's a little blurry. And then uh, the disciples, they're moving from you know blindness, not understanding who Jesus is, to to now uh, they, they say, hey, he, you're you're the Messiah. Messiah means uh, royal dis- descent or king. So the, the Messiah is someone who's in the line of King David. Prophets critique kings, and kings take power from other kings. And so there's these levels of understanding that are happening. But it isn't until Jesus' death that we actually see someone in the book of Mark see Jesus with total bright sight. At the moment of the cross, Jesus let out a loud cry and died. The curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing Jesus saw how he died, he said this, this man was certainly God's son. Here is God's son. So all of a sudden we realize that in the book of Mark, we've been on this journey, this gospel journey, learning about Jesus, moving from a sense of spiritual blindness to blurry, starting to see some amazing things and, and you know, kind of figure out who Jesus means to us. So moving from blindness to blurry to bright sight. And then finally, at the end, we see Jesus is the Son of God. It's interesting, too, that it, the moment of clarity happens in the, the, the mo- biggest moment of darkness, the moment of loss, the moment where Jesus has given up his life. What the, what the rest of the world was blind to becomes most clear in this moment of the cross. God's power and love is most revealed in the sacrificial love of Jesus on the cross. Can you see it? It's as if the, the, the story is asking us, can, can we see it? Can you begin to see the center of your faith as Jesus? Can you begin to see Jesus as, as more than just a prophet and, and even more than, than king? He is God's son. He's all of that wrapped into one. The whole of Mark's gospel is this portrait of Jesus and the blind man and, and us, humanity, in the place of the blind man asking Jesus to heal our eyes so that we can see. This is the discipleship journey, Uh, sometimes going from blindness when we don't even think or know that we're blind, to blurry. We start figuring some things out to these, these moments of bright insight. You might ask, why is Jesus still the center for me? And I would just say a few things. One of the most convincing and miraculous elements of Jesus for me that I think often goes missed is the miracle of his teachings. Are his teachings on power and forgiveness and generosity and darkness and doubt, truth and freedom, are any of those teachings less important today in our world? Jesus understood human need, human foible, human weakness, and human potential. If you look over the last 2,000 years, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone whose teachings have had more influence and transformed more lives for the good. If you want to look for the miraculous in Jesus, you don't have to look much farther than his teaching about humanity and the divine. I just think about forgiveness. His teachings on forgiveness were countercultural then and they're countercultural now. It's amazing. Another reason for me that I, I follow Christ and I still uh, center on him is no other religious figure taught about power as love and service the way Jesus did and then demonstrated his his uh, philosophy and his teaching of love and service by willingly dying for both his friends and his enemies. 
Another reason that I still believe is that the Jesus community at its best has served cities and cultures throughout the centuries, helping the marginalized, the outsider, the broken. The Jesus community trans- transcends borders, is flexible to handle challenges and different traditions and diversity and different perspectives all around the globe, creating this beautiful mosaic and family. I love the Jesus family. And I would add my own experience with Jesus keeps me following him. He has changed me over and over again. My life would be so much more self-centered, more egotistical, more isolated without his presence and love. I don't know where I'd be without his guidance, but I can say through all the hills and valleys of my life, just how grateful I am for the goodness and beauty and life I have found in him. And I'm so grateful to be part of a community learning to walk the way of Jesus with Jesus. I continue to journey forward in the process of being blind at times, blurry, and then sometimes having those moments of bright sight. Some key practices for opening my eyes and centering on Jesus um, have been these. Prayer, a prayer of presence, always seeking to be present with the Lord has been very helpful. Reading scripture and life through Jesus, like really trying to put that lens over how I read the scripture and how I look at life, what's happening around me, whether it's as a pastor, a dad, a friend, or whatever. Another thing is being a grace finder. Jesus taught his disciples to to find the gifts, the grace of God in the world, and and to not miss those. In a world that's so broken, we can't miss uh, finding the grace of God at work, his spirit at work. And then finally, another practice is just learning to find appreciation or gratitude in paradox and in in, um, mystery. So would you just maybe consider praying this prayer? Today, this is a prayer of um, sight. God, would you help me to see? Would you open my eyes to see your grace, to have gratitude for the paradox of, of this world? And Lord, would you help me, most of all, to see you and the way you love me and the way you love the world so that I can see the world the way you do? I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.